Well, welcome to today's book of the day show. We are going to be talking about this book right here, Donald Trump. Kind of a cheesy title, but powerful lessons, practical lessons. It's called How to Get Rich by Donald Trump. So let me just set the stage here. You know, Donald Trump is one of these guys that a little bit controversial, jumped into the political arena. You probably have heard of him and have maybe mixed feelings. One of the lessons that I've learned over time is that uh, no one's infallible. A lot of times when people look to role models and mentors, they come to it with what I believe is a false mentality, the same mentality that uh, I sometimes fall into, which is you're judging. And by the way, for those of you interested in these 25 cognitive biases that I say cause us to make mistakes, these ways our brains work that aren't always in our best interest, one of the top biases is called liking and disliking bias. So people often go, hey, I don't really like that person, so I'm not going to listen to them. But think about logic. If you take the most loved person in history, um, I don't know, let's say Mother Teresa, and she said 2 plus 2 is 6, if she said 2 plus 2 is 6, and then you had somebody else who's hated, I don't know, Charles Manson, a mass murderer, convicted mass murderer. If he said 2 plus 2 is 4, now, in that case, it might be so obvious that you'd go, oh, I'm going to listen to Charles Manson uh, over Mother Teresa. But in most cases, whether it's politics, uh, science, we're dominated in terms of, uh, we're dominated by people's people who we like. We're dominated in our beliefs. Mostly by who? Your parents dominate your thoughts, even if you don't realize it. Some of it's natural, like Dr. Helen Fisher says, this mental map she talks about that we all form subconsciously. I just want to, before I get into this book, because um, if you're not careful, your thoughts get clouded. You miss out on great points. You over-listen to someone simply because, hey, they're my friend. Just understand, Richard Dawkins talks about this in The Selfish Gene. He says, the int- uh, and this is my paraphrase, I've said this for years, the intensity with which you believe something, okay, in no way makes it true. And the inverse is also true. The fact that you can't stand, you know, Donald Trump or you can't stand a different political party's view in no way lessens the chance or increases the chance that they're correct. What is accurate, if it's truly accurate, is accurate all the time, or most of the time, if you study quantum physics. All right, Donald Trump said there are at least five billion reasons why you should read this book. I think he was saying he's worth five billion dollars at the time, so read it. Now, I don't have time to go through every chapter in this book. This is what today's book of the day deal, so click the link. I've got a special deal. If you buy this book directly from me, not only get a new co- a copy of the book, just like you would on any other site you're on uh, or bookstore, but I'm throwing in a whole bunch of special bonuses. So get it from me. It's pretty cool. I've been shipping uh, these books and different books every day around the world. So here's the highlights of this book that I thought were extremely powerful. Um, he says... And there's a picture here. Not sure if you can see it. 
uh, trying to zoom in. That woman there, he says, uh, her name is Norma Forderer. He said, get a great assistant. Ask God for a great assistant. No joke. A great one can make your life a whole lot easier. In my case, almost manageable. Norman Norma Forderer has been with me for 23 years. If you want to know what a great guy I am, just ask her. Surround yourself with people you can trust. I often say it's good to be paranoid, but not when it comes to your home team. There's a lot in those little two paragraphs of, of practical advice. What I thought was fascinating is he says, first of all, um, she's been with him 23 years. Now, besides his point of an assistant, depending on what you do, you may or may not need a full-time assistant. I really find, I totally agree with this and try to have at all times, you know, a couple of personal assistants. Now, that will grow. I didn't always have that. I have more responsibility now. And you may not be, you know, at the peak of your career, but the more important principle is she's been with them for 23 years. If you are somebody, whether it's in health, wealth, love, or happiness, that's moving in and out of human relationships, in and out of different careers, in and out of different products, in and out of different cities where you live for a while and then you move somewhere else, just understand that there better be a lot of upside because there's a lot of inefficiency in over-movement. Imagine the power that they have working together after 23 years. She can probably read his mind and knows things about him before he even asks. How much more efficient is it to be working hand in hand with somebody who you don't even have to say, who knows the people you know, who can pick up the phone and talk to them, who knows your style. Now, this isn't just a business assistant. This obviously goes for friendships. You know, there's this saying, I forget, Hillary Clinton had it in her book. I, I won't try to quote it. It was a Girl Scout quote, and it basically said, you know, well, it said the same thing that this old Amish guy, William Yutzi. I went and visited him. I hadn't seen him in many years. I went to Hillsborough, Wisconsin. It was on this farm, log house, middle of nowhere, you know, big, long driveway to get to his house. He has 10, he has 12 kids, 10 boys and two daughters. And I pulled up there. I hadn't seen him for, I don't know, five, 10 years. And I walked in and he's got a big red beard, big, strong guy, big Amish farm guy, one of the strongest. One time a tree fell on his son. My son was cutting down a tree, accidentally fell. All these people, uh, non-Amish people, were driving by and ran up to where the son was pinned to the ground with the tree. And tried, Three or four people were trying to pick up this tree and they couldn't get it off the ground. And William Yutzi came, ran, finally got there. He, he just heard about it a little bit later. And ran down to where his son was and he picked up the tree himself <laughs> right off his son. But anyway, that's... Uh, Interesting story, but um, so I pull up in the house and he looks at me and he smiles and we shake hands and he says, you know, Ty, new friends are good, but old friends are better. He said, I met a lot of new friends. I just moved up here to Wisconsin from where I knew you in Virginia. So just remember that pretty much applies to almost everything in your life. A new job is good. A new career is good, but an old career is better. Now, let me make this clear.
there are times where you have to get rid of your old friends for varying reasons. First of all, like Freud says, the dissolution of the body. All of us will die. You will lose friends to aging. You will lose friends location-wise that will move away. You will lose employees. You will lose coworkers. But the principle is there. It's like what a lot of you have been buying bounce. In fact, these book of the day deals are getting so popular. We sold out Amazon in the whole country of Canada, for example. No one can get the book bounce because we we recommended it and so many people bought it. But in that book, he says, you know, it takes the average master of chess or the master of a sport, 14 plus thousand hours, 14 or 15,000 hours. Alan Nation once told me it takes 12 to 20 years on average for somebody to become a master or a millionaire. He was talking about business. So Donald Trump's a smart guy. Don't be flaky. Don't move people in and out of your life more often than you have to. When you have to, do it swiftly. But if you don't have to, double down and invest. And so the way that I look at this is even more than the fact that you and I should have an assistant uh, over time and you should cultivate that relationship. The principle of doubling down, you know, people ask me for my top five greatest pieces of advice or 10. I put it, if you're a lot of you on the 67 steps, if you're not in there, make sure you get in there. But in the 67 steps, uh, I talk, you know, that's 67 points that I've boiled down that I've learned from other people. But one of them that maybe is in the top five, I might have to reorganize the 67 steps is you got to double down on what's working. All my poor friends are always betting on a new horse. All my rich friends are doubling down on the horse that already won for them, that already brought them the reward. That could be as simple as picking up the phone and call an old friend that you've lost touch with because you've bought into the modern mentality that it's always, you know, utopian. It's always greener on the other side. Uh, that allows you to overanalyze people, friends, and find all their flaws. You've lost touch with them. No, call them. And the hour you would have spent socializing with new people, all these people that I know that follow me and you know subscribe to my stuff are like, Ty, how can I go and network with new people? I'm like, why do you have to network with new people? Because new friends are good, but old friends are better. There's good science to this too. Jonathan Haidt calls it companionative love. It's built into our brain. All right, next thing. So that's point number one in this book that I want you to kind of summary for. Point number two, play golf. Now, I've just started taking his advice on this, but I found this fascinating because I don't think he's literally saying golf is the only thing. He says, I make, made a lot of the money on the golf course before I ever went into golf as a business. When I first started working for GE, this huge, you know, the largest company in the world when I went there, massive organization with all these people. Al Howe, my mentor there, he said, Ty, because uh, I was preparing for a uh, meeting. I wanted to do a presentation to a new potential customer. I thought I was so smart. I was making the PowerPoint perfect in this, that, and the other thing. And I was like, hey, I'm going to blow this person away in this meeting when they come in, this potential customer. And Al said, Ty, most deals are done on the golf course. Now, he wasn't seeing literally the golf uh, course. What it was saying is that most people decide things 
decide whether they like you, whether they want to do something with you in business, you know, in health and love and happiness. All that comes in social settings where the primary driver is a human connection. So the reason Trump confirms this, I made a lot of uh, money on the golf course, is not because golf is some special sport, but it is a sport where you obviously have a lot of time to talk. (laughs) If you play basketball together or soccer, pretty much running in, you're out of breath. Golf, you're sitting, walking, or sitting in the golf, uh, you know, the golf cart most of the time. So there's certainly a lot of social activity. So double down there on things that allow you to connect more with new, and of course, as I just mentioned before, with old friends. I think that's super important. He got into the golf business um, now, he says, of course, there's other skills you gain that are exact opposite of what I just said. He says, golf is also, in essence, a solitary game. Now, he first goes on to confirm what I said. It's a great way to improve your business skills, to learn how to maneuver. It can even be equated with learning how to negotiate. But then he says it's also, in essence, a solitary game. Being an entrepreneur, even within a large company, is a solitary game. I was reading last night, I couldn't sleep too well, and I was reading a book uh, by Poincaré. It was about science, uh, the great mathematician. And then I was Googling, I forget what thought. You know, I sometimes recommend, let your mind wander as long as it's wandering with focus. So I let my mind wander, and I got into this, um, he, I think he had said something about, you know, kind of we're alone on earth, and I was Googling that phrase, and I popped up loneliness and I so I looked into Wikipedia by the way I recommend read it read at least one Wikipedia a day some people try to tell me that Wikipedia is not accurate number one of course not what is a hundred percent accurate no book this book isn't a hundred percent accurate remember I was saying back at the beginning this liking and disliking bias once somebody decides they don't like Wikipedia they find up they find all kinds of random reasons to not like it uh, to not listen to it 99% of the stuff on Wikipedia is very accurate. It's as accurate as encyclopedias were in many ways. Uh, so let me not digress, but I'm reading this, and it's it had an article on loneliness. It said 20% of, of people in the world are lonely. It said being lonely is worse for your health than smoking and uh, smoking and what was the other thing? Oh, being obese. So then they had one little link, and I followed down the rabbit trail, learning new information, it said, the existentialists basically say, and you might have heard something, I heard a comedian say this, you know, you're born alone, you die alone, and you die die alone. He said, unless you're Puerto Rican. Uh, That was the joke. And by the way, I think I can tell that joke because I'm 25% Puerto Rican. So it's not a racist joke. The joke is because he lived in New York, the comedian said, you know, I live in New York and Puerto Ricans never live alone, which is probably pretty healthy if you look at that stat about people people being lonely. But for me, uh, I when I think about that existential quote, right, there's a lot of power to understanding that the balance. In a certain sense, golf is an analogy for the life you and I are living. In a certain sense, it's very social. You generally, I mean, when you play a golf game, you're usually playing with other people. But yet, when you drill golf down to its very essence, it's you 
standing there and what is that critical skill that you need to make that quote unquote existential lonely journey that you and I all have to go on. What makes it unique? Well, you gotta have to focus. Golf is a game of focus. And golf is not only a game of focus, but it's also a game of tremendous skill. There's never been somebody that randomly goes out there, grabs a golf club and just hits away and does well. If you wanna be rich like this book, remember, you must hone your social skills. To a point where, as he says, you know how to negotiate, you know how to persuade. Some of you are in my business programs, Inner Circle, and uh, if you're doing over a million dollars and a lot of people making a ton of money and they're in my level two, they're in the Entrepreneur uh, Academy, this mini MBA program. It's not a college degree with a piece of paper. It's a program where you learn everything that you need to know to build a company. Uh, that makes a million dollars. In fact, right after this, I do two shows. I'm gonna be doing a show on how I got a million customers in, in my business. Different businesses, not necessarily this one, but different ones, uh, and how you can too, okay? You can register, there should be a button below here to register for that. It's the new rules of marketing, but one of the things I think when you're on your way to getting rich, if that's your goal or whatever you're trying to do, is remember that that analogy of golf. Go out, play golf, can't hurt you. Any game of focus, any game teaches you social negotiation and solitary focus surely is rewiring your brain. And remember, uh, Poincaré said in that book, anything that is not thought is nothingness. Now I know a lot of people argue with me, there's a lot of people have kind of Eastern religious understandings of life. And there's certainly truth to that, but there's also truth to what Poincaré said. Everything that's not thought is nothingness. You, even the thought that you don't wanna believe in thinking and don't wanna overthink and you wanna just live life, that's a thought that came into your brain. You had to express it. Thoughts aren't what people think. People think thoughts are, you know, mind getting stuck in your main brain and getting book smart. That's not what thought is. Thought is the only way we can co create concepts to piece together, it's like Legos. How are you gonna make a Lego castle if you don't have good individual Legos? But anyway, golf, pick up golf. You wanna be rich? Be rich in money and rich in life. Now, I wanna read you the third thing. And it's about what I just talked about, stay focused. He tells a story, Donald Trump does. He says, in the 1980s, I was riding high, okay? After learning the essentials of real estate developed from my father, see Donald Trump had a mentor, I became a major player in Manhattan, developing Trump, tra uh, developing Trump Towers, the Grand Hyatt Hotel, and many other top tier. One magazine headline said everything he touches turns to gold, and I believed it. i never known adversity. I went straight from Wharton, where he went to school, to wealth. Even in down markets, I was buying properties inexpensively, making a lot of money. I began to think it was easy. But in the late 80s, he said, I lost focus. I'd fly off to Europe to attend fashion shows and I wasn't looking at the clothing. <laughs> Chasing women. My lack of attention was killing my bonus, then the, my business. Then the real estate market crashed. I owed billions upon billions of dollars. 9.2 to 
to be exact. That's $9 billion, $200 million. I've told this story many times before, but it bears repeating. In the midst of a crash, I passed the beggar, a beggar on the street and realized he was worth $9.2 billion more than I was. He said, I'll never forget the worst moment. It was 3 a.m. Citibank phoned me at my home in Trump Tower. They wanted me to come to their office immediately to negotiate new terms with some foreign banks. They wanted to cut deals with three of the 99 banks to who he owed billions. You ever dealt with bankers? Ever dealt with debt? Not exciting. A couple lessons here. Obviously, the one that he'd said, you know, he, by the way, he guaranteed personally not a uh, billion dollars. He was personally on the hook, not just through his business for a billion dollars. Some of you watching this, you're at financial scarcity. Or worse, you're in what I call Donald Trump debt. A billion bucks, you're a billion dollars poorer than the average homeless person. Now, how did he get out and what, before you decide how to get out, you have to know why you are where you are. I talked about, if you haven't checked out, check out the replay of my show on why beautiful people have more daughters. I talked about this simple concept uh, and, I, and I'll bear, it bears repeating now. Before you can change where you are now, you have to understand why you are where you are. Donald Trump now understands how to not be poor again because he goes back when he was failing. Like Tony Robbins says, when you succeed, you party, but when you fail, you ponder, and all greatness comes out of pondering. See, Donald Trump is better off now than he's ever been because why? He pondered, and what he came to the conclusion was stay focused. Stay focused, as the farmer says. Make hay when the sun shines. If you're being successful now, double down, triple down. If working eight hours a day is making you good money, extra money more than you've ever made, maybe it's time to make 12 or 16 hours. Work 12 or 16 hours, double down. It'll inevitably go away because people say, no, Ty, I don't want to be a workaholic. Well, don't worry. The way the world works, it'll probably get tougher for a season. The winter of life will come around again. So when you're in the spring and the summer, work extra hard. And so Donald Trump says he understands now why he was where he was in that diagnosis. If you have a broken leg, you don't want to work with a doctor that forgets to diagnose it, diagnose it and cuts your, heart, your chest open, starts doing open heart surgery. Most of us fail because we misdiagnose the problem. That's why Charlie Munger and Warren Buffett, uh, sorry, not Charlie Munger, uh, that's why Mark Owen the Navy SEAL in the book, No Hero. If you haven't gotten that book, make sure you check out. I'll pop up a button here. You can get that book where lessons from a Navy SEAL. He talks about the AAR, the after action response. After you fail or succeed, be like the Navy SEALs who sit down together and they go, why did we almost get ourselves killed? Or why did we do such a good job? And they sit there in a session, all of them brainstorming so that they get it down on paper. See, Donald Trump, his AAR is I was flying off chasing women when I should have been focused on my business. For you, I bet you if you go back to when you were succeeding the most in life, it was the period you were the most focused. I've often said the most powerful force in the world, both for good and for evil, has always been a focused mind. Think about it. For evil, Adolf Hitler, tremendously focused mind on his crazy uh, you know, psychotic plan, but it made a lot of ripples in the world. 
200 million people were casualties in some way of World War II. That's the power of focus for negative, but if you're trying to make money and or you're trying to change the world for good, hopefully, you'll reverse and invert it and go, yeah, how can I be more focused? What are simple ways to be more focused? Well, read more books on the subject of whatever you think you should be doing. Figure out your one sentence business destiny. If you don't know that, I'm gonna be talking about that in a few minutes on this, register for this webinar, this online seminar. It's huge. That's why I built this program. Even people I know making half a million bucks or a million dollars a year are like, Ty, I hate what I'm doing. If you wanna quit your job, or if you wanna improve the career you've already built for yourself, look, I tell people, I, I thought of a thing that said, Watch this video. It wasn't this video, but I'm recording one, and it says, and you can learn how to quit your job, the job you hate, the dead-end job. Last thing I want to read in this. Uh, pretty fascinating. Let me see if I can find it here. I lost my place. Here. Okay. Maintain your momentum, Donald Trump says. Now, a lot of people come to this and like, ooh, how to get rich. I want to, you know, how to get rich. I want to I want to know a how-to, a one, two, three formula. Remember what I call the PPV formula. That's how you get a million customers. That's why if you want to raise money, you want a million dollars for your new idea, you want somebody to invest in you, you have to know the PPV formula. I'm going to be talking about it uh, on this online seminar in a few minutes. I, I need to take a five-minute break, eat my breakfast after this, and drink my weird green drink here. But maintain your momentum. Donald Trump says, William Levitt, the master builder of Levittown taught me the true meaning of momentum. In the 1950s, he was the king. No detail was too small for him. He would personally collect stray nails and extra chips to make sure his construction crews used all available material. Then in 1956, he sold his company for $100 million to ITT. That's equivalent to billions today. Think about that. $100 million in the 50s? <laughs> That's unreal if you factor in the time value of money and inflation. It says, so he sold the company, then he made some terrible mistakes. He retired, he married the wrong woman, he moved to the south of France and lived on the Riviera with his new boat and his new wife. One day, ITT called his old company, I mean the company that bought his uh, old company. They said they had no aptitude for home building. They had bought huge tracts of land but didn't know how to get them zoned. So they sold it back to Levitt. So he comes out of retirement. He thought he'd gotten a great deal. He's out of retirement. He bought back his company. They paid him $100 million. He bought it back for way less. He went back into business, and he proceeded to go bankrupt. Remember what I talked about uh, uh, Alan Greenspan says in his book, The Map of the Territory. Most common mistake humans make, in his opinion, his cognitive bias of choice, is over-optimism. Maybe you think you won't fail. I was just out in Hollywood last night got stuck at this dinner with just my least favorite type of person to be around. Uh, I don't mean that in a disparaging way. I'm just saying my personal preference is to never be around someone like this. And they were telling me how they're guaranteed to make it in Hollywood, how they, I, I, this person was a massive example of American Idol syndrome. I even brought it up and they're like, nah, and they started telling me how, whatever. Anyway, it was very annoying. I ended up walking off out of dinner. I paid and just walked off. Uh, it was a group of us, all my friends, we just took off and left and they were saying, no, I'm, I'm going to make it. 
I said, one time an opera singer heard me sing and said, I'm the, I'm the new, what, what was the saying? Oh yeah, I could be the voice of a generation, which maybe is true. I said I'm not a hater, but I was like, you know what? If you're a voice of generation, greatest singer of our time, my guess is you'd already be out there. Justin Bieber got signed at 12 years old. It's a good thing about the world if you have talent. Now, again, I don't mean to talk about this person. I hope they are great and do great things. I'm not a hater on talent, but a little bit reminding me of when I have made the same mistake, I shouldn't point my finger too much at that person because I've done the same thing. Over optimism. So back to the Donald Trump story. I saw William Levitt at a cocktail party in 1994. Now, William Levitt by this time had failed in his second venture and uh, gone bankrupt. I saw William Levitt two weeks before he died. He was standing by himself in a corner looking defeated. I didn't know him well, but I approached him hoping to acquire some wisdom from the master. Mr. Levitt, I said, how are you doing? Not good, Donald, not good. Then he said the words that I'll never forget. I lost my momentum, Donald. I was out of the business world for 20 years. I came back and I wasn't the same. You see, just like I was talking about this person, this Hollywood person that I considered kind of in a fantasy land. The reason, by the way, that person bothered me is because they were arguing with me that about practicing. That's usually what, like, no, I already am there. No, you always have to earn it. If I've accomplished anything, it can all be taken away from me. I'm no different than William Levitt. You're no different than William Levitt either. If you don't have a healthy do- dosage of fear, now, I was talking, I got a, a guy that's in my inner circle who called me, and he's like, hey, Ty, you know, he's been in this program, this, uh, he's actually not in the inner circle, sorry, he's in this uh, business academy learning, and he wrote, he said, man, I've learned, the last three months have been the greatest months of my life in business. He said, you know, he came to a seminar I did in New York, and he's like, man, I remember, he had no business plan, no business partners, and no money, but he just had a an idea. He was falling prey for this idea that, uh, this concept that if you have a good idea, that's enough. Ideas are cheap. So he's been in the program and he's been developing his skills in business. And he said, man, I've raised $170,000, got two business partners, corporation, got another comp- uh, set of venture capital list, getting ready to put a million bucks. It's like, thank you so much. Because he realized when you double down on yourself, you start building tangible, practical skills too. How to negotiate, how to structure an idea so that people will put money into it, all these things. Then you're practicing. You have to practice. And a lot of times if you're watching this, you could change your night, your life that fast. I've seen it. I had a guy in the program say I was making $2,000 a day, Ty. Before I learned the stuff, you showed me one simple way to change my marketing and create a concept called a beta program. Launch my business as a uh, beta, which it was. Changed the pricing structure. He did a few tests. He said, now I'm making $6,200 a day. He sent me all his bank statements. I don't know why he wanted to prove to me. I would have believed him. But he said, I'm only 19, man. I'm now making six Gs a day. See, on the path right here to getting rich, like Donald Trump, and not everybody's going to be worth billions of dollars. That's not the point. You could be rich in life. You could be rich financially. Hopefully, 
you know, Peter Thiel talks about in zero to one. You have to capture some of the value you create. So if you're an amazing person changing the world, make sure you capture some of the value. I hope you can capture some of the value in the form of financial gain too, and in form of friends, health, wealth, love, and happiness. But remember, here's the words of Trump, no matter how accomplished you are, no matter how well you think you know your business, you have to remain vigilant about the details of your field. You can't get by on experience or smarts. That's what I was so bothered by this person last night. Even the best surgeons need to be retrained regularly to stay current on the latest research and procedures. No matter what you're managing, don't assume you can glide by. Momentum is something you have to work at to maintain. I'll tell a story and then I'll uh, we'll move on to this next online seminar. I was uh, making money. I'd launched a business. In fact, it's a business that had over a million customers from scratch, zero to a million and be more than a million. But I kind of lost my momentum too. I thought I could just glide on this thing. I remember when money's pouring in, you're like, Ooh, I'm doing good. Well, I didn't read this book. I didn't double down like you're doing. Thanks for coming and listening to this show. And, uh, I was just riding on that revenue. I mean, I was obviously, I was never completely, you know, but I wasn't as emphatic as Donald Trump is, as I am now. Remember, I lost focus a little bit, and I wasn't doing enough split testing, the testing I needed to do to really get in there and go, what do customers want? What's the ideal price for the average customer? How can I deliver value at a fair price? It's always hard. If you read the book Smart Pricing by the two Wharton professors, they talk about, you know, in the four P's of business, Price, uh, product pricing, pro, uh, promotions and placement. This pricing one is always forgotten, so I lost focus. And whether you're in school or building a career or work for somebody else, the same principle applies. And so I finally got regained my focus when we began to do more tests. And the tests came back. We ran them for a while to make sure they were statistically significant. We ran the differences. We ran them for three, six months. Came back. My head of testing said, Ty, you, you sure you want to hear these results? I'm like, yeah, yeah, sure, tell me. What do we find out? He said, well, if you had been a little more vigilant, if you had started these tests a few years ago, over the last three or four years, you would have made an extra $28 million. I never forget that. I call my, my $28 million mistake, and it really comes down to the things. Had I read this book, and not just read it, so if you're listening to this, I hope you want to just listen the point of this show is not for me to boost my ego and to get a whole bunch of followers. That's not important to me. It doesn't change my life. As the existentialist says, yeah, we do need to be connected. But I realize, you know, that, I'm, that uh, it's not, whether I have 100 million people listening or 100, my life doesn't change that much. The reason I'm saying these things is, one, I get a lot out of the, being forced as I come on these shows. It's a nice way to reinforce what I'm learning and to put it in a schedule. So I hope you're getting some value because I get value from these books myself. That's the main reason I built this whole show system. But if I had taken that more carefully, seriously, I'd have an extra $28 million. That would have been profit. And that $28 million, had I invested it well, at 8% every nine years, it would have doubled. Maybe by the time I died, it'll turn into a $200 million mistake. Don't make $200 million mistakes. Remember, new friends are good, but old friends are better. New industries to jump into, new products are good, but 
old ones are better. Even Steve Jobs is still selling computers, his old idea. Even Bill Gates is still selling Excel, his old idea. You don't always have to jump completely into new things. Stay focused. Remember to get a good assistance. Not just a literal assistant, but good help. No man is an island. I was reading that poem again. And lastly, once that focus starts to pay off, you start to see results. Make hay while the sun shines. Double down, triple down. And the next thing you know, even if you're in debt watching this, or even if you have a million dollars, if you're in debt, be comforted to know you're probably not $9.2 billion in debt. If you think you're doing well because you're making good money, well, be humble because neither myself or you are worth $5 billion or whatever Donald Trump's worth right now. Stay humble and stay motivated to massively keep momentum because if you're pushing a boulder up a hill, it's a pain. Some of you are doing it. But even worse than pushing up a hill is having that thing start rolling back on you. William Levitt had it roll back on him and he never recovered. Don't be over-optimistic. But be optimistic enough to know if you push hard, almost always, if it's a focused boulder, you'll be able to push it over the hump. And eventually, it'll start rolling on its own. And all you'll have to do is keep the momentum going with much more ease. So, question for you. By the way, there should be a button here. Get this book. One important thing. Make sure, wherever you're listening to this, subscribe. You're going to get this stuff first. A lot of advantage to getting stuff first because these deals, we put the best deal on these things, these books, and all these bonuses I'm giving away, all kinds of bonuses, stuff worth a couple hundred bucks. Sometimes the bonuses are time sensitive. So if you're the first one, subscribe. So subscribe, podcast, YouTube, wherever you're doing, you get this, the bonus stuff for free. And I literally, this is hundreds of dollars worth of stuff. I'm not just making that up yet. You get free. Depends on when you're watching this. If you're new or you're old, early bird gets the worm. But uh, the one question I want you to ask, leave a comment here. Leave it on podcast or YouTube or my site, wherever we're watching. Or reach out to me at Ty Lopez on Twitter or put it on my Facebook, Ty Lopez Official. What's the biggest thing from these points? Focus, momentum, doubling down, getting assistant, okay? Playing golf so you learn to be social but you learn to be alone and focused. What's the biggest thing you haven't done, your biggest weak link, and how you could turn that into your biggest strength? Be as specific. I gave you my $28 million mistake. That's a specific one that I've learned. Always be testing and building momentum or you're leaving maybe a quarter of a billion dollars in your lifetime on the table. What's yours? All right, register for watching this for my next online seminar. I'll be back in a few minutes. And remember, every morning around 11.30 in the morning, California time, check me out live, okay? New TV show, new show, all right? Talk to you soon. Donald Trump, how to get rich. Practical advice. Talk to you soon.